0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Hey, everybody. What's going on? Welcome to part two of the NBA draft content here with our good friend Nathan Gerbel from No Ceilings NBA. Like I said in part one, if you're not already, subscribe to their sub stack, noceilings.substack.com. It is a free website. They do not make you pay a subscription to, uh, to read their content. So make sure you guys get over there. But if you're listening to this part first, I recommend going to part one first and then coming back to part two. So we are really excited to have on Nathan because he does a great job covering the draft and he knows these prospects inside and out. So hope you guys enjoy it. Here is the rest of our conversation with Nathan Grubel. In the pace with Alex and Fauci. Alex and Foxy. Alex and Alex if I put our jacks in the paint, how you gonna stop me? How you gonna stop me? How we can go head me? to head. Call out your top three. Call out your top three. Look at the switch from Dorte. Now that boy got three. We got Holly Burton running point. This is the Benedict for the shot. If anybody gon' come in the post,
2: then we got Jalen Smith for the block. Setting the pace, going to the top. Setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast. Sweeping every team. We gon' need a mop. Smooth.
1: All right, Nathan. Last tier here, which you were kind of already on, but we'll look at that 28, I guess, 25 to 32 range, whatever. You want to go first you want to have one of us go first this time? Can I
2: just ask you a question really quick and then I'll give you... Potentially one of two answers so yeah that's fine three first round picks you guys honestly feel like you're you're drafting for three roster no. spots nope. so you think here nope. you're looking for a stash i i i Ooh. don't know if
3: they're gonna go a stash i think the pacers consolidate picks or trade okay. a couple of them for uh, a more proven player but for this exercise uh let's 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 get rid of the trading for a more established player and let's go with either they're gonna keep these picks or go with the stash what do you think?
2: i I'm thinking you guys might actually go the the route of like a draft and stash. And and one fun name I wanted to throw on the podcast if listeners haven't caught up with this guy yet is Bilal Kulabali. And this guy playing playing Metropolitan's '92, but with Victor Weminyama's club, I mean, in, in in junior divisions, he's absolutely been tearing it up. And this was a prospect who six 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 seven wing might have been thought about once upon a time as like a 2024. Guy, I I think if you go back, you look at the film, and then you look at some of the numbers he has put up in some of those lower-level division games, I mean, you can see the upside. Shot-creating wing prospect, capable spot-up shooter, multi-positional defensive versatility, rebounding and athletic upside. He's going to need some seasoning. He will absolutely need that extra year overseas, so that's why I think he's going to be one of the prime draft and stash candidates. But if he's able to come over in a year or two, I mean, the Pacers could be reaping some massive massive rewards with this guy. And one other point that Maxwell, my, my good partner at Draft Deeper, and No Ceilings wanted to point out is he did a film dive on him as well. And with those guys where where you might outline parts of their game as, as raw, you might think they, they don't necessarily have to know how to play the game and, in the best way or, or the right way to come over to the NBA. He actually is embracing doing a lot of the little things and making okay. sure that he is playing the game the right way. So his size, athletic tools, shot making upside, defensive versatility, that's the type of guy that, in my opinion, you would want to target with, with a late first-round pick, early second-round pick.
3: I deb- See, this is what I love having you on because that's a name that I was not familiar with. I'll, I'll be the first to admit it, but now I got my eyes on him, and I do love a good mystery box stash <laughs> that we're going to be waiting on long-term, something like that, a year. I think every Pacer fan could say, you know what, I could roll the dice with a late first, really early second on a guy that might take a year because we're not a year away from winning at all or anything of the sort, really. We're not even a year away from winning a playoff series. So I think a player like that could really help long-term.
1: Yeah, I don't know much about him, I'll be honest with you. Outside of uh, Victor Wanyama, I don't know anybody from France. So, that's, why, gonna... that's what
2: you got me here for. I got to introduce yes, new, new exactly. names on the podcast. Yeah, okay. I mean...
1: Like you said, uh, and just one more time, say that name real slowly so everybody can hear it because I want to make sure I pronounce it right.
2: Bilal, and then I, I, I've i been saying Kulabali. I think it's Kulabali from, from Koulibaly. what I've heard on some broadcasts. I it's C-O-U-L-I-B-A-L-Y is the last name, Bilal, yeah. So
1: the, the most intriguing thing to me about this player is he will not be 19 on draft day. He'll only be 18 still. Now. That
2: is correct. almost
1: 19 but 18.9 okay so you can't you can't overlook that and I think the Pacers you know to me this seems like a definitely a a pick they would trade the Celtics pick I could see them keeping the Rockets pick at 31 just because you have more control over Mm -hmm. what that second round contract can be and we saw last year they they gave Andrew Nimhard the largest second round contract in NBA history but they also um converted Kendall Brown into a two-way contract. So I think there's also that ability as well to maybe go that route if you're wanting to do that. Now, 31, I don't know if you're going to do that, if the player is going to be happy with that. So uh, drafting stash is an interesting thought here, Fachi. This is not something I really put into this exercise for myself. So I appreciate the the different thinking, but it does make a lot of sense if the Pacers keep all three.
3: It it, it does, and that's the thing is they have so many picks that – they're not going to be able to get everybody playing time. There's already a lot of young mm-hmm. players on this team, so a drafted stash very well could be in the cards. So I, I like that um, option. Uh, do you want me to go next, or do you want to go?
1: I'll let you pick. Do you want me to go, or do you want to go?
3: I'll go. I can't pass up this opportunity. Okay, <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna give you a little little tip of the hat because you planted this seed last year. I've kept my eyes on them, and this year it looks like it's happening. That's Leonard Miller, all right? Leonard Miller was testing the draft waters last year. I don't know where you have him on your board, but I can't pass up a 6'10", you know, forward. Yeah, let's listen that small forward, but at 6'10", with a 7'2", wingspan, I mean, you can, you can play multiple positions. The Pacers, they're becoming the indiana canadians at this point with <laughs> you know benedict <laughs> Mather and andrew nevardo shabers said so what's one chris more? duarte chris, yeah, I mean, what's one more at this point so look 16.2 points per game in the g league 9.6 rebounds you're getting a guy who's efficient from you know from two at 52 percent the three-point ball definitely has far more room to improve upon but I like the size, and you add him in with a guy like Tyrese Halliburton. I really do think he could get the most out of him. Where
2: do you have Leonard Miller in your uh, on your draft board mock board? I have Leonard Miller forty on my oh, board, and it's he's coming in very similar spot to where I had him last year. Like I would have ranked him in a forty five to sixty range. He's starting to come up, and may very well as we get more names shuffling themselves out. Right. Whether mm-hmm. who declares and who doesn't declare, Leonard Miller can continue to rise up. He is, he certainly played his tail off right this season. He's been one of the most productive players on that G League Ignite team really all year. I would prefer another name to him in this range. But what I will say about Leonard, if you just need a big body who can just muck up everything offensively and, and defensively and, and just create chaos all over the place that's where you would want to go. And and he is young. He is big. He has creation upside himself. I guess one of my things is he, he as you mentioned, Fachi, he doesn't shoot the ball well, right? Mm-hmm. He's somebody yep. who he kind of needs the ball in his hands offensively to, to do the funky stuff with it that he does. If he doesn't have the ball in his hands, I just wonder what he's contributing right away offensively at the NBA level. He does have some lapses defensively, but the the positional size the the rebounding those are some things you can bring off the bench ninth tenth man it's not out of the question that if the Pacers would take somebody like him with one of those picks he could actually see minutes in in his rookie season one way or another
1: yeah Leonard Miller was someone I was really intrigued by last year's because of, like it was like he was eligible and some people didn't think he was going to be. I remember talking to Richard Samen from Mavs draft about him a little bit. And he was like, I didn't think he was eligible. And then all of a sudden he was. <laughs> and I was like, okay, cool. And so I was like just talking about him a little bit. And I'm like, you know, he's got a quirky shot for sure. And I know that he's not been like the focal point of the offense there for the G League Ignite either. So he's kind of had to learn a different role as well. And that's a big thing that I think he's done pretty a pretty good job of. But I like the size. And if you're drafting anybody with the last name Miller in Indiana, you're going to be happy. And not to mention, the first name is Leonard, and one of our the late great voice of the Pacers with the classic boom baby, Bobby Slick Leonard. So you put those two names together, and my goodness, Pacer fans are going to be running wild for this kid. Uh, and that's part of the reason why I was like, you know what? Just get this kid on the team. <laughs> if, he's, if he's draft eligible, just draft him. Uh, take a flyer on him. I think he's one of those guys, uh, kind of similar to Kendall Brown from last year, where more of like taking a flyer on a guy, not saying mm-hmm. that, not saying that oh, you know, they're the same player or anything like that, but I'm just saying, like, same circumstance. So I'm uh, I'm intrigued by Leonard Miller. I still have him, I have him towards the end of my first round here, around, like, the 28 to 32 range myself, actually.
2: Very reasonable. Uh,
1: just, just because I feel like the upside could be there. Now, this is a name that I think is rising, and it might be out of the 28 to 32 range. It is for me personally, but I've seen different big boards where this player has been on there, and this is freshman out of Tennessee, Julian Phillips. I think Julian Phillips... Has the upside the Pacers are looking for? He is a three and D prospect, six foot seven. Uh, you know, really good defensive player. I think the Pacers could be highly intrigued by him. Very athletic type of player, and they could plug him in. And I think he'd be more of a bench role kind of guy to start things out, but could earn his minutes. And the Pacers just need more defensive help because that's been their big problem outside of Miles Turner. Uh, you, you know, you're looking at Aaron Niesmith as probably their second best defender, maybe Andrew Nimhart as well. Those have been their key defenders, but other than that, we've seen decent team defense, but not great individual on-ball defense from your your guys like Matherin, who have had moments where they've really just struggled defensively. Uh, Tyrese Halliburton, not known for his defense, he's better off-ball, trying to pick passing lanes and get steals. Buddy Healed, not known at all for his defense, and, and you know that that's the kind of the thing. So the Pacers have to get better. I think Julian Phillips from Tennessee is a name that I've really started to started to like a lot, Nathan and he's he's actually i i want to say he's actually 22 on my big board so i'm a big believer in him i think that with him being so young and a freshman that he could project more but curious your thoughts
2: you're not you're not the only one he he is not that high on my board but I know that there are some people at those ceilings who certainly believe in his evaluation and what he could be as a guy exactly as you said, Alex. Somebody who comes in off the bench, he plays a specific defensive role. He's in there to rebound, cover guys individually, one-on-one. A lot of people like to point to that Tennessee-Kansas game early on in the year in the Bahamas where he locked up Grady Dick. Grady Dick couldn't do anything against him. That was a major feather in the cap for Julian Phillips. I do question, though, where the shot's at and if the shot isn't there Will he be able to justify those minutes offensively on an NBA floor right out of the gate? At the end of the day, the league's about shot making, given where the league Mm -hmm. is going in terms of trending towards offense, offense, offense. If the ball swung around to him and it's just going to clank off the side of the backboard or clank off the front of the rim and you guys lose that possession, you see those lost possessions keep piling up. Where are we kind of getting to? Right at the end of the day, if the ball swung around to him, he has to be able to hit a shot. In the month of January, to music to Alex's ears, he actually shot forty-six percent from three point range, six of thirteen. Outside of that, he has been a stinker from the perimeter. He started off the yeah. year four of twenty-three from three point range. So he has some work. Small to sample do. size. Small sample size. Small sample size, but it's if still a still, sample size. <laughs> it's still a sample size. If he pulls it together and he can shoot it well enough. He can absolutely be one of those glue guys who you guys need more of. If he doesn't shoot it well enough, I'm struggling to figure out where he fits in with an NBA team early on.
3: Yeah, there are a, a couple – everybody had gone for this round, right? Or Yeah, we've all done Okay, because there were a couple other players that I, I am curious on, uh, and one of those players that seemed that more was expected of him, Gigi Jackson uh, out of South Carolina – what do we need to know about Gigi? Because that's someone who's intrigued people, but <laughs> at the, the same place. point, it, that's, that's what it seems like. If I'm just going from a numbers standpoint, it doesn't look like there's a lot to like. If you look at an NBA frame, yeah, it, sure, it, it sounds like this guy could fit what teams are looking to have. But you tell me. I mean, where do we see him going, and what could
2: he bring to the table? From a pure talent perspective, he could be a top 10 pick. Yep. Mm-hmm. I've seen Rafael Barlow over at NBA Big Board have him as high as number five on, oh, on his board at wow. different points. But the thing with GG is you watch, it's not just the numbers, Fochi. You watch the tape. This guy does not play the game the right way. He is he he's a selfish player to default. I understand that that South Carolina team doesn't have a ton of talent around him, but the types of shots, even if he's going to be a selfish player, the types of shots that he settles for, he is six nine. He, he's, he's still 17. Now he's 18. He's not the, the biggest of players in the world. We talk about going up against 22, 23-year-old men in college. But there are some of these wings and guards he goes up against where he does not need to be settling for a fadeaway shot from, from three-point range. He needs to be backing some of these guys down. He needs to be involved more as a roller, as a screener, as a guy who can get his own up off the glass. He needs to show me that he can blend in as a forward not necessarily just the big wing, because if he comes into the NBA and thinks that he's just every single shot he's going to take is from three or it's some kind of step back created. Look, that's not going to happen. That's going to drive a coach nuts. That, that would drive Rick Carlisle nuts. I, I don't watch a ton of Pacers as much as you guys, but I know that would drive Rick Carlisle nuts. Yes, so he's young. He can still grow. The talent is there, but where he's at from a playing the game, the right way perspective from a maturity perspective he, he, he's going to need time. So if you're drafting him, I would not feel safe drafting him in the top 15 right now. I, I think like that 18 to 25 range, you could take a swing on somebody like Gigi. I would just be very cautious about drafting him too early to where he's expected to do a little bit too much right out of the gate.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say Fachi. Gigi Jackson for me is a guy that does not scream Rick Carlisle at all. Oh yeah, it's
3: just <laughs> like <laughs> I knew this guy was supposed. Like I, I looked at it in all season. I'm like, I've seen this guy in commercials, and I love following like high school recruiting, big diehard West Virginia Mountaineer fan. And I just remember hearing his name just at times, and I'm like, how are you shooting sub 40 percent from the field? Like I'm like, <laughs> what's going on? And, and like he's someone I didn't even want to bring up as to like predict because I have no idea where this guy's going to go in the draft. But I just know that he intrigued a lot of people coming into college basketball this season.
2: I, I have a funny feeling he's going to end up as one of those, this, this is a popular term to throw around on internet these days, a the second draft guy, somebody who he ends up on another team, not just the team who drafted him for his next contract, somebody takes a flyer on him like a Marvin Bagley. Maybe he works out at the second place, maybe he doesn't. That's just the inkling I get as far as where I think his career may very well go.
1: Yeah, and I could see his... I could see his stock rising a little bit in workouts and maybe absolutely even even maybe being like a Zaire Williams where Memphis gets in there at 10 and takes him at, you know, something like that where they moved up in the draft and, and took a flyer on a young kid when they already had so much talent. Uh, You know, even though I like Zaire as a prospect a little bit better, I think he's more consistent in projecting. But uh I, if we're throwing around extra names here, I, there's one name that I wanted to bring up just real quick because I almost brought it up before I brought up Chris Murray and it was tough cuz I was like I don't want to leave this guy off the off the conversation but this is a guy that I think is maybe number 1 or number 2 for me in terms of like really intriguing prospect the Pacers could go after plays at a small school UCF I'm going Taylor Hendricks I'm I'm very intrigued by his game here Nathan and I think his size 6 foot 9 shooting 40% from 3 41% excuse me Thirty-four minutes a game. I just I, there's just something about him that I feel like this is the guy that I think could really be a nice NBA player.
2: Taylor Hendricks is a top ten pick. There's 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 no wow. way around it at this point. I know that Kevin O'Connor was that he was the first like big mainstream media guy to come out and be like, yeah, he's tenth on my board. And and I I, I sort of take those those fun darts in the air and the the skepticism. I, I look at it with a bit of skepticism. I go. Well, just because someone smart said it doesn't necessarily mean that I need to get to the same place. I need time and mm-hmm. looking at these prospects and evaluating to really get to where I should put them on my board. Before I saw Taylor in person on, on last Thursday at Temple, I had actually moved him up to 10 on my board. And then I went there and I saw him in person and those thoughts were, were justified. I mean, yeah. Alex, for, for what you could talk about capable interior finisher, floor spacer, weak side rim protector, mobile forward who can cover ground defensively and contest perimeter shots. I mean, this guy has he has 1 foot in the paint on the opposite side of the floor, sprints all the way out to that opposite corner and gets his hand on a mm. perimeter shot. Like that's some nutty stuff for a forward to be doing. So you guys yeah. need that combo forward. Somebody who can offer some defensive upside, plays into spacing the floor for you, needs to certainly develop his dribble, his handle. And then the other thing, too, is he's not a good rebounder for someone his size. So that's the only thing I would say about Taylor Hendricks. You're projecting him forward. You want somebody like Miles Turner playing next to him, somebody who can certainly go up, grab rebounds. Because if you're leaving Taylor Hendricks in some of these lineups as like a small ball five, Mm. That means you probably have to play like three other plus possession plus positional rebounders next to him to, to sort of justify putting him in some of the smaller lines. But as like a future four-man, just where his floor's at to me, top ten pick.
3: Is there someone who you think maybe has um the the most growth over the next March Madness tournament where it's like
2: this player I expect to shoot up some draft boards? So I'll give you two names who could who could spike up. The one who I was going to bring up in that twenty-eight to, to thirty-two range, somebody who he should be more of a household name, but nobody freaking talks about him in the space is Julian Strother out of Gonzaga, and he's someone who mm-hmm. I, I needed to come up on a little bit more. But he he's the spot-up king of this draft class. He's an excellent off-ball offensive complement with with stars around him. Right, you guys have you know Halliburton and, and 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 Matherin and Nemhard. You have guys who. They need the ball in their hands. Why not give him one of the better off ball compliments in this class? And then to his credit, he is also an excellent, excellent positional rebounder, right? So he's given you multiple things that the Pacers need. He's not a top shelf athlete. He's not the greatest perimeter defender, but just what he gives you from an offensive perspective at that wing spot, six, seven, six, eight. I really like him. And then a guy who could make waves, more waves. And March Madness is Noah Clowney. Noah Clowney has, to me, some of the highest upside that we can talk about for a prospect in like that 15 to 30 range. He has upside as a floor spacer. He's a good shot blocker and defensive rebounder. Great fluidity at that forward spot. Very similar to like a Taylor Hendricks and a capable interior finisher. But if more doesn't come together for him at the NBA level... He's one of these guys who could have a lower floor than than indicated. He could be a low floor, high ceiling type of prospect, risk reward. That might be something the Pacers might look at late in the first round. There are some other people who believe in his floor much more than I do, think it could be even higher, would rate him as like a top 15, top 20 prospect. But if Alabama goes on the run in March, like we all think they probably will, he might see his name circling back around in that top 25.
3: And it's interesting that you you brought Clowney up because – that covers now basically arguably the top five power forwards in this draft. So that's really <laughs> where I've been looking into. And that is a name that I had that I debated bringing up. I mean, 10 points, eight rebounds. We're talking about a freshman, 6'10". There's a lot to like over there. But that was the guy that just didn't make the, cup, uh, the cut uh, the cut for Drace Walker, Cam Whitmore, Chris Murray. We talked about Taylor Hendricks. You know, those were the guys that you could see that – Clowney, there's a lot to like, but I think that to your point, that's someone I got my eyes on because, Same. you know, Alabama they, they've been top two most of the season in, in the rankings. So I think that that's someone that if they go on a run, we're definitely mm-hmm. going to get a, a healthy dose of
1: Noah Clowney.
2: I have him at twenty six. He's right there. He's right in that range where you guys would be picking.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. that's a that's a very intriguing player. And I, I'm going to ask one last question here, just because I want to tie it up with this. We've been talking we've been talking tiers. Let's just say. Let's 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 count out Victor and Scoop. If you could have any player in the draft class go on the Pacers, besides those two names, who is the perfect fit for the Pacers in this draft? Oh
2: man, yeah, I think you guys would probably want to say Brandon Miller out of Alabama. And I, he I is my third overall player on my
1: board. Mine too. He's got to be the guy. I just think a six foot nine guy that can shoot the ball like that. Oh man, I think the the potential there. I mean, he reminds me a lot of Paul George when I watch him play, and I think. You know, we're very familiar with that type of player. So that, that's me, like, just putting that type of player next to Matherin and Halliburton with Turner protecting the rim, it just feels like that could be a very scary team in the near future.
2: It you know, could couple, be. I still like ago. Cam, though. I still like Cam Whitmore for you guys, too. That's a name that, like, he's he would be, like, Brandon, Jarris, and Cam, I think if you ended up with any of those guys, like if you cruise up to the top five, top six, I'd be happy with any of them.
3: A couple weeks ago, we were talking about what if something happened and the Pacers were to end up picking second overall, where Scoot Henderson, you view as, you know, I would imagine the, the number two overall pick in this draft. But Brandon Miller fits a need at that small forward spot because the Pacers already have a lot of guards. It was interesting to be like, well, at that point, it would make sense for the Pacers to hopefully trade back a pick, maybe acquire another asset and be able to take Brandon Miller. And obviously everything happened with with what he's involved in, you know, legal wise and do you see that impacting his draft stock because if he's not going to miss any games, you would imagine it won't, but obviously it's a major red flag.
2: No, I don't I don't see that impacting his draft stock whatsoever. I don't think it has and and I don't think it will personally. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of how
1: I feel too. And that's kind of reading the tea leaves like maybe he shouldn't have played whatever. I mean, obviously there's a lot of ways this thing could have been handled better, but when has that not been the case with college basketball? Things always seem to be handled poorly when <laughs> there's some kind of controversy. So let's just put it out there. And then, you know, two names we didn't really bring up that are, are very intriguing prospects, the Thompson twins, um, you know, uh, Min Thompson, I've heard a lot of people make the case like, wow, he'd be a really nice player with the Pacers because like you said, he's a good facilitator, really high defensive level guy, but man, I'm worried about that shooting. I know mm-hmm. that's a big concern of mine. And as sore. Like I know he won MVP of the of their league, I believe. And, you know, he's he's got the scoring ability. So is there more he's injury? the name? He's the name over a minute. He's man.
2: he's the name. So I had so my best fits for you guys if you've had that second, that seventh pick, I had Cam Whitmore, I had Asar Thompson as my second guy, and then Taylor Hendricks as my third wow. guy. So okay. you're right right there.
1: Yep. Okay. Yeah. Do you like him better than a min?
2: yeah. Uh, so Asar was actually as high as number three on my board. At one point. Uh, yeah. And I dropped them down more so because Brandon, Jarris, and Cam have shown me more yeah. recently. Their games have come along. But if we're talking ceiling, like absolute ceiling, I think Asar might still have the third highest ceiling potentially mm, in, in this draft class. One more question
3: I have for you is, how do you view maybe the G League prospects compared to college prospects? Because – Obviously, you know, a couple years ago, Jalen Green seemed like he was going to be a superstar. It feels like it's – I know the situation in Houston isn't benefiting him as much. Jonathan Kuminga obviously didn't go to the probably a situation where he could play as much in Golden State. But those are guys that I feel like would have been bigger names if they were in college. But we're not seeing them maybe take such a big leap in
2: the NBA early on. I still like what, what the G League Ignite – is doing. I think it certainly took some time to bring that program together and really figure out what's going to work for these young guys and, and what won't. And I think this year, this year to me is the strongest indicator of this is going to be a path forward for prospects who want to get experience playing against grown men, something where they're not playing against college kids, they're playing against grown men who are trying to put food on the table for their families and provide. I mean, you're seeing Scoot Henderson, Leonard Miller, C.D. Sissoko is another guy who I really like, who we could have brought up in that 28 to 32 range. I've seen all these guys have fantastic seasons for Ignite, regardless of wins or losses. Their individual production has been on par with almost any of the other prospects we can talk about in this draft class who aren't named Victor Womanyama. So to to me, you're you're getting more exposure. They're getting more Ignite games on television, and they're playing against better competition on a night-to-night basis. I think moving forward, Ignite's going to still be a prominent option for for some of the top young prospects. It also helps that Jane Hardy has found his legs when he gets minutes with the Dallas Mavericks and he's torn up the G League. He has one of the most absurd G League shot charts I think I've ever seen in my life that's been shared on social media. So <laughs> yeah, I, I I think the Ignite program's working great. Awesome stuff. Potts, anything else? No,
3: no. Hey, Nathan, I really enjoyed you coming on the show. I think that... Not only did Alex and I learn a lot, but I think our listeners are also going to learn a lot and definitely be keeping our eyes on some of these prospects that could be creeping into that late first round, which is really the sweet spot for the Pacers outside of their top seven picks. So uh, this has been awesome, but please tell everybody where they could follow you out on social media
2: and some of the awesome content that you're putting out. So you can follow me personally on Twitter at Draft Deeper, and make sure you're also following No Ceilings at No Ceilings NBA on Twitter and certainly subscribe to our absolutely free 99 sub stack, hey. My two most recent pieces I put out, we, we referenced the one that, that just came out the most recently, which was I illustrated and wrote out some of my top risers on my big board. I put out content about 11 names that, that I cherry picked of who's rising up my big board right now. The previous piece I put out is something I'm incredibly proud of. It's I, I called it finding balance, and I really I took a look at breaking out certain statistical queries, and I came up with one in terms of looking at prospects, looking at current NBA players, what's working in the NBA. If you're playing twenty or more minutes a night in the NBA, what are some of the indicators for that, and then breaking that out into prospects, you know. Who's actually got the best chance in this draft class to actually embrace that type of role and fit into where the NBA is going? It's like an over, it's like a 9,000 word piece. It goes deep. But seriously, if if you want to learn more about the current trends in the league and how that applies to this current draft class, go check that out. NoCillingsNBA.com. Great Absolutely. stuff, Nathan. Yeah, yeah.
1: The great stuff, man. We'll be checking that out for sure. And everybody, make sure you subscribe to the free Substack. And want to give a shout out to the No Ceilings NBA Podcast, being part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Yes. So this recently joined, and that is where we are at as well. So happy to have you on on board with us and the great network that is Blue Wire. So uh, awesome stuff, man. And we will talk to you uh, probably soon about more drafts. Oh, talk.
2: you're coming! You're coming on Draft Deeper to talk Pacers. So go! Don't, don't worry, guys. We
1: gotta. <laughs> All right, Nathan. We'll see you, man. Thank you. All right, Fachi. a lot to unload there, but always enjoy having great draft coverage on the podcast because we've been so Pacer-focused, it's hard to cover both, and I give kudos to all those people that, that spend a lot of time watching these prospects, but really great stuff there.
3: Oh, yeah, I feel like I'm back in school, cracking open the book and, and <laughs> doing some studying on, you know, who, who could land in the Pacers, and I got all my different draft ranges, the, the picks. I mean, last year was so much easier for us, but now, I mean, we're all over the board, yeah. so... It's a fun time because the season's still going on. March Madness is coming about, and then there's the draft. So always something to look forward to if you're a basketball fan.
1: Yeah, I think March might be my favorite month of the year just because of March Madness. Are like I like April as well. You're getting into playoff basketball. Uh, you know, March Madness championship games are during that time, and then you've also got NFL draft as well. So just a lot of intriguing stuff in this time of year. But Fachi, go ahead. Let people know where they can find us at, please, on social media.
3: Absolutely. So you can find us on Twitter at Setting the Pace3. You could find Alex on Twitter at Alex Golden MBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F A C C I. You can find us on Instagram at Pacers Talk. You can find us on Facebook at Setting the Pace. You can find us on TikTok at Setting the Pace. And Alex, tell them
1: where they can check us out on YouTube. Ladies and gentlemen, go to youtube.com slash setting the pace of Pacers Podcast. Subscribe, like our videos, let us know what you think in the comment section. Share it with a friend. Let everybody know where they can find us at on YouTube. That'd be great but Fachi. If you are excited for the endless possibilities that could come with this NBA draft class, then hit me with those three words. Let's go, pacers! Setting the pace, going to the
2: top, setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast, sweeping every team. We gonna need a mop. Smooth.